What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Welcome back to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey. And today we are going to be talking about Anthony Davis and all the other players on, New, on the New Orleans Pelicans who aren't quite as relevant. So first question, and I'll turn it right over to Andy, is just how good can Davis be this season? And I realize it might take you a long time to come up with as many superlatives as you need. <laughs> well, the way that I tracked how incredible Anthony Davis was last season was actually player efficiency rating, which has kind of fallen out of favor among the analytics people. But just the the sheer craziness of his production last season, I think, was pretty well encapsulated by that. He almost set the record, or he, he was on pace to for a while for the best PER, I think, of the mod, modern era. So I would not be surprised if we see another the iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. 30-plus PER season from him. I think he finished over 30. Somebody might have to correct me if I'm wrong there, but... Uh, the sky is obviously the limit with him. He can do everything on the floor, and he's basically a seven-footer. It's crazy. One one thing that actually made that player efficiency rating even more impressive is that one of the notable flaws with that system is that it rewards volume shooting. The break-even point for field goal percentage is pretty low. I forget exactly what it is. It might be like 41%, but the more... Sh- Thoughts you take, the easier it is to post a higher score. And he's a guy who plays well within the flow of the offense, and he doesn't shoot as much as the other guys that we see finish up up that high on the leaderboard. I mean, 17.6 attempts per game is not typically a number that you see associated with a PER above 30. That's very true. And just to kind of echo that point, there were a lot of Pelicans games I watched last season where I found myself almost screaming at the TV, get the ball to Davis. 
he needs to be more involved in the offense. So, yeah, he he played within himself even when he probably didn't need to. I thought it was really impressive for all the reasons that Adam was saying. And if you look at it, Davis cracked 30, a 30 PER three years before Michael Jordan and LeBron James first did it. And he did it while shooting at least around 500 shots less than either of those guys. And it was with comparable playing time. He also played less, which can sometimes make it easier. But again, he's not that volume guy, and he just does everything so well. It's surprising almost that the Pelicans weren't a good defensive team just because of how good he actually is defensively. He was the guy who not only tried to protect the rim, but he was on the perimeter before he was protecting the rim and sort of trying to cut off dribble penetration first. He does so many things. And I know this point has been blown out of proportion, but I'm really excited to see him shoot some three-pointers in Alvin Gentry's offense. That is literally the last part of his game that needs to fall into place. And I don't even want to try and fathom or try and answer the question of how good he can be because I don't think we really know. We're we're looking at a generational talent. He is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. I don't know how high he'll rise, but he doesn't have a limit. And that's really just fun to think about and watch. I'm so excited for this next season just to watch Davis. I, I can't really even express it because I felt like Monty Williams held him back so much. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Monty, but you know the offense wasn't creative enough. They didn't get him the ball enough. They should have forced it to him so much more. And just having Alvin Gentry there, and they have a great staff of assistant coaches too. I wrote an article this offseason about uh, Phil Weber, who's one of the assistant guys, and He's bounced around the league. He was uh, in Phoenix when Mike D'Antoni was there and followed him to New York. And he's been on the cutting edge of, of like offensive development for so long. And so many of his former colleagues have had great things to say about him. But everyone is just over the moon about what Davis can do in this new offense that's actually going to be able to make the most of his talents. And like Dan said, have him shoot threes. I mean, I, I, I have no idea how good he can be because, frankly, I'm not sure we've seen any player reach that level. I just want to add one more thing on the PER. I don't know if we're going to move on from Davis or not, but never. So I, I ran him through the player season finder for for people who qualified for the minutes leaderboard. He's the youngest to post a PER over thirty. The and it was in his twenty one year old season. The previous youngest was Tracy McGrady at twenty three. And then just for further context, only eight players in the history of the league have done it. Michael Jordan and LeBron have done it four times, Shaq and Wilt three, and then Dwayne Wade, David Robinson, and Tracy McGrady each once. And, and, and the difference between him and T-Mac is that T-Mac didn't really play defense. Yeah, and he, he was more of a volume guy, like you were saying earlier, too. So the fact that Anthony Davis has already pulled this off at the age of 21, it's insane to think how productive of a career he could have. I had someone ask me on a radio show last year how high I thought he could rise, and my legitimate answer at the time was that he's actually in a position where he could one day challenge Michael Jordan for like all-time supremacy. Obviously, a lot has to break right. He has to win some championships. He has to stay healthy. But he is without question on that track. I would agree with you. And it, it might sound like hyperbolic to some people, but given what he's done to this point, it's not crazy. Yeah, but the people who it sounds hyperbolic to haven't watched him enough. And I think that's the general consensus because I was on a bunch of radio shows at the beginning and the middle of last season, and they were asking me who the second best player in the NBA was, and I was saying Anthony Davis. It was Anthony Davis. He's in a position this season to take the best player crown from 
LeBron James. People tend to look at a body of work, even when they weigh the recency bias, so he probably won't take it. But he is so good, and Adam can say things like he will challenge Michael Jordan for all-time supremacy, or he might challenge Michael Jordan for all-time supremacy. And it's not ridiculous, because we've never seen a player like him. And if you even just look at the impact he has on the Pelicans when he's on the floor, when he played, they were pretty much the net rating equivalent of the Atlanta Hawks last season. We're talking about the best team in the Eastern Conference and a legitimate championship contender. And then when he was off the floor, they were the net rating equivalent of a team that was worse than the Orlando Magic, almost Lakers-level bad. He is important. He has an impact on every facet of the game. And if you don't understand how good he is, how unbelievably good he is still going to be, you just haven't watched him enough. And I'm firmly, I firmly believe that right now. Andy is burning to say something, but before he does, I just want to interject that according to my FATS metric, the Pelicans were 24.1, 24.1 wins better with him on the court, which is insane. Yeah, and that actually just reinforces what I was going to say, so it's a good thing you jumped in. You're welcome. <laughs> with how impactful he clearly was, and everybody knew it, he was statistically the best player. As, as you guys both just pointed out, using different stats, he was extremely impactful for the Pelicans, which is usually a big a big key indicator for MVP consideration. What does he have to do to win the MVP? Because even though he was those things last season, he was never really a legitimate candidate. Is it just the total of wins the Pelicans have to have? Honestly, he has to change the definition of MVP. Because if it means what it stands for, most valuable player, then he should have won that award last year. Or it should have gone to LeBron James or maybe even DeMarcus Cousins. But because there is that that criterion that the teams have to be successful. Like you said, the Pelicans have to win games. If he's not in the playoffs, I think that what wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in like the first season the award was handed out, the only one that won MVP on a non-playoff team? It's something crazy like that. And if, if they're not even like the sixth seed, you can forget about it. Yeah, I think they've yeah. got to be mid-50s at least and maybe even like competing for home court advantage. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I did some research on this. Uh, MVP stuff last season because I was arguing in an article that was never published about why the league needs MVP reform. 23, and uh, now 24 of the last 31 MVPs have hailed from number one playoff seeds. 29 have come from teams that finished no worse than second in their respective conference, and not one of those last 31 MVPs earned a postseason seed worse than third. And that's what Davis is working up against. There's also the fact that I think uh, Allen Iverson is the only player who has missed more than seven games in the last 20 years or so as an MVP, and Davis has struggled to stay on the court. But aside from that, it's really this perception that you need to play on the best team because over the last three decades, all MVPs have come from top three playoff teams, and Davis's Pelicans, even with Davis being Davis, aren't in a position to be that team in the West right now. This is not to toot my own horn, but just to make sure our readers are getting correct information. Uh, but Kareem was the only MVP on a non-playoff team. It was in 1975-76 with the Lakers, and they went 40-42 and 42 that year. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that. If the, if the Pel- it's just too entrenched, I think, in the voters' minds. Which, again, is so stupid be. because it's not, it shouldn't be a team award. I, just, I don't yeah. get the argument for giving a player an individual award because his teammates were better. Well, and I think on top of that, too, even if there is some team consideration in it, just think about what the Pelicans would have been without Davis. 
last season. Oh, absolutely. But it, it just flies totally in the face of what the award stands for. I mean, by this logic, if you took Anthony Davis and improved his teammates to the point that he stayed the exact same player and you improved his teammates to the point that they won 60 games, he would suddenly win MVP. That what if, literally means he's less valuable to his team, and it makes him more likely to win most valuable player. What if we just change the name to BPOTBT? Best exactly. Play, best player on the best team. Exactly. But, I mean, you guys get what I'm saying, right? It's ridiculous. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. And it doesn't, really, it doesn't bother me when guys like Stephen Curry and James Harden dominate the conversation because – you can easily argue that Stephen Curry deserved to win MVP last year. It's this refusal to let guys like Anthony Davis or let's say DeMarcus Cousins even into this conversations because their teams aren't good enough. That's my main issue. These guys don't have to win, but they need to be candidates, especially Davis at this point. If he's not in the top three of MVP voting next year, that's, that's a basketball travesty. Like it's just, again, assuming he doesn't get injured or anything, he is super valuable he is the second best player in the NBA right now, without question. It just amazes me that, that people are so stubborn. I think he's the best. <laughs> he's one of the best, too. I'm not, I don't know if I'll say he's better than LeBron James. We're just looking at individual stat lines, of course, but LeBron James has done more with less than Davis in the last year. So I think you have to give it to the king over there. I can't argue with that. But we could probably spend like four hours talking about Anthony Davis. Agreed. And this is a really intriguing roster, so I think we should probably <laughs> move on. Because we still haven't seen the core play together. You're no, right. But, How do you guys feel about Anthony Davis? <laughs> I give up. I give up. I was trying to move us on too, Adam, so I'll push through. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot I like about this roster. I, I think the kind of three-guard lineup they do with uh, Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, and Tyreek Evans is fun. And I think it'll be even more fun with Alvin Gentry because I think he'll, he'll unlock the creativity there offensively. I like Anthony Davis a lot, as we've already uh, established. <laughs> the one position I'm not sold on is, is who they play in the front court with Anthony Davis. I like the pairing of Davis and Ryan Anderson. I, I understand not wanting Davis to take a pounding against centers all season long. I think if you make him a, the power forward, I might even like Alexi Ajinka more than, more than Omera Sheik. So that's, that's the one question mark for me is who do you pair in the front court with Anthony Davis? At this point, it has to be Omera Sheik because I think Alexei Ajinka is going to be out for a little while, but they never should have brought Omera Sheik back. I agree with Andy. Anthony Davis is better off as a center at this point in today's NBA. I understand you don't want him to take a beating, but maybe it's something you can at least play toward the matchups when you're going against teams that aren't trotting out physical centers start him at the five or play him more at the five. But if he's going to go up against Marcus All or DeMarcus Cousins, then yeah, you know, you can play him at the four. But Alexis Ajinka is a better fit. He has more offensive range than Omar Ashik. He's a better passer, comparable rebounder. They're probably comparable rim protectors. Ashik just doesn't fit what the Pelicans look like they should be. Alvin Gentry is going to want to push the pace, we can assume, and space the floor. Those are two things that Omar Ashik cannot do. And if there's anything that's going to hold Anthony Davis back, it's the fact that he's playing alongside someone who doesn't really compliment him very well. And he's going to be left covering Ashik's messes on the defensive end because some of these centers that Ashik is going to be defending can work off the dribble or work from the outside. So they're going to need Davis to shimmy between inside and out again. I really hope they're willing to experiment with AD at the five extensively, especially once Ashik is healthy because Ashik doesn't belong on the floor. 
I'm going to put you guys on the spot here and ask you how many minutes last season Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans, Ryan Anderson, and Anthony Davis spent on the court together the whole season. Which is my favorite lineup for them, just to yep, put it out that's there. Why, that's why I'm bringing that one up, even though s- the one with Oshik actually outscored this one. Boy, I'm going to say, you mean like outscored him per 100 possessions? or? Yeah, if you replace Anderson with Oshik, they outscored by 12.4 points per oh, 100 wow. possessions. This one was only plus 0.7. I'm going to say, geez, there was a lot of injuries. 400 minutes. I'm going to say 20 minutes. 106. Wow. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, so we can't really even read into their ratings. Yeah, we have no idea because, I mean, especially Drew Holiday has not stayed healthy. I mean, this team has just been plagued by injuries to the point that this, this exciting core they put together when they traded for Holiday and when they drafted Davis, we still have no idea what it looks like together. We're not going to have an idea for a little while either. I, I was reading a couple of weeks back that Holiday probably isn't going to play back-to-backs through January. He's going to be on this really strict minutes cap. And that's going to hurt the Pelicans a little bit because he's a really good point guard in terms of he can play on the ball, he can shoot off the ball, he can be an okay defender. And he, outside of Davis, is really the key to bringing the offense together and making it the top five attack that it could be. I know Evans is a pretty good playmaker, but I love healthy Drew Holiday. And if he's only going to be able to play, I think it was like 15 minutes a night or something crazy. That's just really going to drag this team down for the first few months of the season. For what it's worth, Brian Shaw, when he was the head coach of the Nuggets last year, thought that Drew Holiday was the best on-ball defensive point guard in the league. Uh, I mean, that comes from Brian Shaw. (laughs) For what it's worth. (laughs) But I actually kind of disagree. I don't mind them sitting out Holiday for back-to-backs because even without him, this is a a team that should get into the playoffs. I mean, if Davis is as good as we think he is, this is a team that will get there. And keeping him fresh for that run is more important than having him on the court as much as possible during the regular season. Would it be ideal if he was able to play every game? Sure, absolutely. There's no denying that. But, you know, he's a fragile guy at this point. He has a lot of injuries that have piled up. So if that's what they need to do to keep him healthy, by all means, do it. I personally think they're comfortable, comfortably in the playoffs, too. I think they're kind of locked in at number seven. However, you know, the Drew Holiday's health can become a pretty serious question mark because then you get into lineups like starting Dante Cunningham at the three, who's really a power forward, or you get into more minutes for Norris Cole, and we all know why that's problematic. Um, and then, you know... In the last episode of the podcast, I said the Mavs are kind of in that, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12 area. But Rick Carlisle is a genius. And who knows if he can bring Darren Williams back to maybe his form of two years. I'm not going to say he's going to go back to jazz form, but maybe like two years ago. Um, who knows what will happen with the jazz? They're they're going to be at the seven or eight area. The, the Suns could be good. Um, so really, I, I mean, there is a there is a world where I can see them not getting in. So I, I think it, it is a question mark, at least. Well, anything can pretty much happen in the West. And I exactly. agree with Adam. You have to take it slow because Holiday should still be in his prime. He's still under contract for the next couple of years. But it's just something to lament. You're not going to really understand how good this team can be. Maybe at all next season. There will be glimpses of it. But if they fall into that seventh spot, if you look at them fully healthy, I think they could contend for something like the sixth or the fifth seed because of how good Davis is. But if they're going to fall in that eighth or that seventh spot and just set up that first round matchup with the Warriors or the Spurs, we're not going to get to see Davis 
make a playoff run. And I also just lament how important Holiday was to their offense last season. Maybe it'll be a little bit different under Gentry, but when he was on the floor, they ran the equivalent of what was the best offense in the league last year, I believe. I'm looking it up right now, but th- that's that's big. And it was. It would have been the third best offense in the league. So it would be ideal if he was healthy is basically what I'm saying. And I don't think because he's on this leash, I don't think we're fully going to understand for a long period of time how good these Pelicans, as currently constructed, could actually be. As a, as a quick side note, because uh, we'll save this for the Utah Jazz podcast, I actually think I'm somewhat surprisingly higher on the Jazz than Andy is, uh, which is <laughs> really interesting. I saw you pointing to the sky when I mentioned the Jazz. really interesting. Um, but I, I think that the Pelicans might be locked into number eight. Uh, I, I don't think that they're really at risk of falling out of the playoffs, but so I think you, there's a pretty big like tier cutoff after them. You see the Jazz as comfortably in front of them then? Yeah, I do. Huh. I would agree, too, just in large part because, one, you have this team who's learning a new system. They're not going to grasp it right away. That's two, Holiday is a big part of what they do. Three, you don't know who you're going to get from two, what you're going to get from two of your starters. Exactly. In Jordan, I think they and Tyreek Evans. Come playoff time, they could be playing like a top four team with the number eight record. I was going to mention the same thing, kind of too. I think this could be one of those years where the West is so good that, like, the one eight matchup isn't a given. I don't think there will be any givens in the West this year. If you're going to make it to the finals, you're going to beat three good teams. Yeah, it was I'm even like there. that this year. Even though the Warriors swept the Pelicans, that series didn't feel like a sweep. Yeah, those there games, were some very close games. Yeah. You had the Pelicans holding double-digit leads in the fourth quarters at point. Again, though, I do worry because I do have the Jazz right now just looking at what's going on with the Pelicans. I do have them ahead of New Orleans. And it's like Andy said, there is kind of that risk for them to fall out of the playoff picture. I don't think they're as comfortably there because if things break right for a team like the Suns or the Mavericks, they could secure more early season wins than the Pelicans. And that could be a really big deal down the line. I guess I think the talent gap is just too big between those two. I think we could see five games of cushion between eight and nine this year because it, it almost feels like to get into the playoffs in the West this year, you better win 50 games. Yeah, I, that wouldn't surprise me either. But I, I mean... <laughs> is, there, is there a possibility that number eight in the West this year has more wins than number two in the East? Yes, I would say that's, so. That's, that's not a joke. Yeah, because if you think about the number two team in the East, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls or the Raptors come in at like 47-48 or the Hawks. Um, any of those teams could finish under 50, I think. And um, at the same time, it's like you said, it's not inconceivable to think that all eight Western Conference teams have 50 wins. It's happened in the West before. Was yeah. Like, when was that? The Mavericks. You know, top of your head? Uh, wasn't it the Mavericks a couple years ago when they were the eight seed? Against I will look it up while Dan makes his point. I don't Go really ahead. have anything to add other than I agree. I would be surprised if all eight teams or if the eight seed in the West has a hot, a better win record than uh, the second seed in the East, just because yeah. I'm really high on what the Hawks can do, and I think they'll be able to get to that 53 to 55 win category pretty easily, but. I, it's certainly a possibility, I guess, which is really freaking scary. And you just, to speak of it, just look at that Southwest division, who will probably be better than six of the, of the Eastern Conference playoff teams. Every team in that division will be better than six of the East playoff teams. That's pretty, that's pretty scary. And that's another thing to consider with the Pelicans. they got to play some really good teams 
four times, specifically in their division, and they could wind up finishing fourth fairly easily. So, uh, again, there's just there's so much promise on this roster, and I want to say they're guaranteed a playoff spot. I just don't see it right now. If Holiday was healthier, I would feel a lot better about this unit. Since I'm apparently our fact checker tonight, and speaking of, we should just hire like a fourth person to just check everything we say. Um, you think Ben O'Udra is doing anything? <laughs> probably, probably at this point of year, I would think so. Training camp, um, yeah. But Andy, the, the Mavericks got to 49 wins as the eight seed a couple of years back. I but just saw that, in, yeah. In 2009-2010, the Spurs, Thunder, and Blazers all got into the playoffs with 50 wins as the last seeds. That's great. So, yeah, that was pretty recent. You said 09-10? Yeah, 2010 playoffs. Yeah. Well, let's so put it in this context. <laughs> if we're, let, let's say we're just all in agreement, even though Andy sort of had the Pelicans in the seventh seed. Which team do you think is the biggest threat to steal that last playoff spot from the Pelicans? I mean, if I had to pick one, it's probably the Mavericks, just because there are so many question marks and everything could break right there. I don't think that the Suns have enough talent to get into that position. There's no way I can see that roster winning 50 games. And beyond them, I'm not really sure there's anyone in the conversation. I would... I would probably say the Mavericks, too, just as sort of a tip of the hat to Rick Carlisle, who's done crazy things with, with groups that shouldn't have been able to do crazy things. But, I mean, we covered it in that, in that Dallas podcast, you know, when we did their preview. Like, the depth is terrifying. The injuries are terrifying. Yeah, I don't think it's super likely. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I still think that the eight teams this year are just pretty much locked in, barring any really unfortunate injuries. Or some kind of crazy run from a team like the Suns had a couple of years ago. I guess the Kings, maybe, if, if Boogie makes a ridiculous leap. That's the I one would, that's actually like, that, that team is a huge pendulum swinger to me because they have, they have a lot of guys who are plus players offensively, and George Carl's a really good coach. And if Rondo's motivated, we don't know what could happen. I mean, there's, yeah, there's some upside there, but they're still so mark. far short, I think. I, I agree. I, I just like that's the one that I think could swing anywhere from like 45 to 25. This isn't an insult to DeMarcus Cousins. I could see the Denver Nuggets making the playoffs before I see the Sacramento Kings making the playoffs. That team is a mess of talent. Rondo is going to screw them on the offensive end. They just, the talent they have in place, while, the, while all those guys separately could be pluses, together they just don't make any sense. Yeah, yeah that's thing, true. Though. That's fair. Are the Nuggets really going to be in playoff contention with Danilo Gallinari as their best player? No. Don't you insult Gallo. Who is the <laughs> of I love Gallo. But no, I'm saying this is more to the point of how bad I okay. think the Sacramento Kings are, and we're forgetting. This isn't a team that's like made these leaps. And I understand DM, DMC could be that sneaky MVP candidate. I see a team like the Nuggets, sort of like they did in 2012, 2013, even though there's less talent, more experienced talent on this version, I would see them contending for a playoff spot before I would see the Kings con- legitimately contending for a playoff spot. So the Kings podcast is going to be a fun one. Our <laughs> yeah, listeners get, should note that. Get your hot takes here. As if so, they didn't already know that. <laughs> what was your answer to the question then, Dan? Would you say the Mavericks uh, too? It has to be the Mavericks just because uh, what both of you said is true, but I tend to just side more with Bailey. Rick Carlisle is an evil genius. Oh, he's especially amazing. with what he does on the offensive end. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Mavericks, even if they're dealing with these early season injuries or mid season injuries, be a top five offensive team because he's so darn smart. Yeah, I would be shocked. They just don't have the personnel. 
Yeah, at the same time, I think the the more I think about it, the more I lean towards what Adam said too, that maybe those eight teams are just when the, you those have, are our eight Western Conference playoff teams. When, like the Mavericks, you have absolutely zero workable depth and you have a bunch of guys that are injured, you're not manufacturing a top five offense out of that. Yeah, I think that's. I, mean, I think it's possible. I think Grant Hughes at Bleacher Report just wrote the the like projected starting lineups piece. I don't know if you guys saw that, but when I got to the Mavericks slide and it said uh, Darren Williams, Devin Harris, and Justin Anderson as the one, two, and three, yeah. that's that's pretty scary. And it's like Zaza at the five, right? Uh, he must have had Zaza at the five. Yeah, so that's pretty scary. Having West West Matthews and Chandler Parsons out to start the season is is not ideal, obviously. I would rather have the three of us an empty spot in the lineup than Anthony Davis. <laughs> I wouldn't, but if I had to bet, I would bet that the eight seed, uh, all eight seeds in the West are probably sewn up at this point. I'm just a little bit more open to the fact that as good as the West is and as crazy as things could get with these teams that we're looking at, like the Suns and the Mavericks, maybe they exceed expectations. I'm a little bit more susceptible to thinking that, wow, maybe the Pelicans aren't guaranteed a playoff spot. I do think the Jazz are, and I think that's also the other thing that's swaying me. If I have the Jazz ahead of them, I'm just not ready to say that there's absolutely no wiggle room in the West because it is the West. Where do we think they end up then? I, you guys have both said eight, but what about number of uh, wins? I'll put them right at 50. Yeah. But, wow. I mean, obviously there's the potential to go higher. You know, if if this team is healthy and coming out of the All Star break, Holiday isn't limited to playing one of the back to backs, and everything is going well, Davis is as good as we think he can be. Then this team could push like fifty five plus. I like what you said there because I would have them at forty seven, forty eight right now. But if they're going to win 50, I don't see it being 50. I think it's going to be 55 or more. Just because if you get to that level, it's probably because people are healthy, the offense is humming, the defense is respectable, Anthony Davis is officially our new overlord, and <laughs> they'll just be battling with some of the best teams in the West and, and beating them. But I, again, this Drew Holiday stuff really worries me. I will never be sold on consistent contributions from Tyreek Evans and Eric Gordon. All that stuff sort of is just in my mind, and I, I think they're going to have trouble improving a great deal on what they did last year. If they reach 50, I would be pleasantly surprised. I, I just think they're going to wind up in that 47-48 bracket, even though it's not too far behind. I'm going to say 50 as well. I really like Alvin Gentry as a coach. Um, he almost got the Suns to the finals one of those years. I think that he will unlock a lot of offensive potential from guys like Obviously, Anthony Davis. I think Eric Gordon will be used even better. I think Tyreek Evans will be used a little bit better. He's going to put everybody in positions to succeed offensively. And then defensively, I think you can just kind of rely on Anthony Davis. And I think they, they have a ton of potential to be a, to be a 50-win team. Andy, you said that so much better than I did. So if you just want to articulate <laughs> all of my points for me, please feel free. Okay. All right, well, it's at that point in the podcast where Adam is drooling over Bailey's ability to articulate points, so that must mean that it is time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! Today we are going to hand the well-oiled frying pan over to Mr. Andrew Bailey. And I take the frying pan at the risk of turning this into kind of a recurring theme. I, I don't want that to be the case. But once again, we have 
some insane interaction on Twitter to talk about. The other day, I don't even know how it came up, but some guy became like a rabid dog after a bone or something about the Brooklyn Nets, which was just insane to me. He thought the Brooklyn Nets were a guaranteed lock for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference and was getting very angry at me or anyone else who jumped in and and said otherwise. He said some very obscene things that I can't repeat on our podcast. Very obscene. Um, And at one point he said, Brooke Lopez is the best center in the league, which is as obscene as maybe his profanity was. Um, And it just, it reminded me of, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times in burning my bacon how just crazy people are on Twitter. Like it's okay to have an opinion, but <laughs> if you're going to back it up with like that level of insane anger, it might be time to log off or, or deactivate your account. It's probably not healthy for you. Um, you know, have your opinions, maybe back it up with a little bit of information every now and then uh, don't back it up with insanity and I think Twitter in general would, would just be a, a nicer, funner place for all of us. Andy, I think that guy actually got hired by First Take. <laughs> now that that was maybe back it up with some information. <laughs> what, you, yeah, I mean, people suck. I think I think we've said this before on this podcast: is people legitimately suck. I think that's the overall theme of Burns My Bacon at this point. <laughs> and it's funny that this is what gets people worked up. I know that sports, if we're going to get super profound for a minute, can be used as sort of an escape. But like, there's real world stuff going on that you should be more impassioned about, and not the fact that Andrew Bailey doesn't have a really bad team making the playoffs in a really bad conference it's just amazing what what burns people's bacon sometimes on twitter i wholeheartedly agree with that and on that note uh we will give you our twitter handles so that you can come at us (laughs) in any form fashion you want to we would love to engage with you adam is at frommel09 f-r-o-m-a-l-09 dan is at dan favale f-a-v-a-l-e i'm at andrew d bailey and then the three of us are all can be we can all be reached at Hardwood Knox. Uh, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, make sure you give us a rating there. Favorite us on Stitcher if that's where you listen. And of course, what would this show be without the shout out to Bino Udri? The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. 
Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.